turning your Bibles this morning to Mark chapter 15. Mark's Gospel chapter 15. I want to read at verse 24. When they had crucified Him, they parted His garments, casting lots upon them, what every man should take. And it was the third hour, and they crucified Him. And the superscription of His accusation was written over the King of the Jews. And with Him they crucify two thieves, the one on His right hand and the other on His left. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we pray this morning that by Your Spirit, You would transport us to the cross of Calvary and allow us to gaze upon it with the eye of faith, to see the eternal and saving message of the cross. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In a number of our recent messages, we've been talking about the cross. The cross is the singular message of this book. And this morning we want to see that uh, see that message again. I guess to some degree this message is a continuation of last Sunday's message. In particular, aspects of the cross that we didn't have time to get to last week. The equality and the division of the cross. Notice again verse 27. And with Him they crucify two thieves the one on his right hand and the other on his left. This verse paints a very clear picture. A very definite picture of the scene here. There are three crosses. And to understand in some measure what is taking place, we have to begin by looking at the middle cross. And there we'll see the Lord Jesus Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, the one who went about doing good. In his sermon on the day of Pentecost, Peter said that Jesus of Nazareth was approved of God. And in his second epistle, in chapter 1, in verse 17, Peter tells us how the Lord Jesus was approved of God. He tells us, Therefore He received from God the Father honor and glory. When there came such a voice to Him from the excellent glory, This is My beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. The Lord Jesus received the approbation of His Father from heaven three times. Three in the Bible is the number of completion. 
Jesus received that approval from heaven because He completely did His Father's will. He said He did always those things that pleased His Father. So why is He on the middle cross? Why is He occupying the center, the central place as the most dangerous and wicked criminal? Because that is who that place was reserved for. Why is He in that place? Because that's how man views God. That's how man views God. The cross, as nothing else, teaches us about the heart of man toward God. If you want the full measure of the heart of man, the full measure of my heart and your heart, then the only place that we need to look, the only place that we can look, is the cross. Because that's where our heart is exposed in all of its ugliness, in all of its hatred of God. We see that ugliness and hatred of God in the words that we read in John chapter 19 and verse 15. If if you'll turn over there for just a minute to John chapter 19 and verse 15. They cried out. But they cried out. It's important to understand who they is. They is us. Let's not hide behind and excuse ourselves and confine this cry to a group of people in 33 AD. They is us. And we are they. Let's put our name in John 19 and verse 15. But they cried out. But we cried out. Away with Him. Away with Him. Crucify Him. We have no king but Caesar. We have no king but Caesar. Again, we want to confined those words, particularly the last words there. We live in America. We don't have Caesar. And so we want to confine those words to those people who lived in that day, in that moment of time, and comfort ourselves that it has no relation to us. But those words do apply to me, and they apply to you. And in a particular way. Notice the name Caesar. I'd never looked the meaning of his name up before. But it has a very important meaning. It means severed. Severed. You know what that means. To sever is to cut off all connection and all association. Now what does that have to do with you and me? Well, if you'll turn back to the second psalm, we'll see it. 
I believe we'll see it. Psalm 2 and verse 1. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together. By the way, that's you and me. Who's the king of our life? Who's the ruler of our life? It's ourselves. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed saying, now look carefully at verse 3, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Beside that verse you can write the word Caesar. Severed. We have no king but Caesar. We have no king but ourselves. And at the cross, we took counsel against the Lord and against His anointed. And we said, uh, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. We have no king but Caesar. And at the cross, we went about to sever all connection, all association with the God of heaven once and for all. The cross reveals who we are. Rebels against God. Let's go back to Mark chapter 15. Because if there's any doubt in our minds as to who we are and what we are, it's here in this chapter. Look at verse 7. And there was one named Barabbas which lay bound with them that had made insurrection with him, who had committed murder in the insurrection. Barabbas led an insurrection. He led a rebellion against the authority of the Roman government. And in the, the, the course of his rebellion and insurrection, he had committed murder. And yet who did the chief priests... And these people won't release. Look at verse 8. And the multitude crying aloud began to desire him, that is, Pilate, to do as he had ever done unto them. That refers back to verse 6. Now at that feast, he released unto them one prisoner, whomsoever they desired. And so the multitude crying out began to desire him to do as he had done, ever done unto them. And Pilate answered them, saying, Will ye that I release unto you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priests had delivered him for envy. But the chief priests moved the people that he should rather release Barabbas unto them. These people. And remember who they are. They are us and we are them. These people chose Barabbas over Jesus. Folks, we've done the same thing. We have chosen Barabbas because we are Barabbas. We have led an insurrection against the God of heaven. We just read about our rebellion. We have no king but Caesar. Let us break 
their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Let us sever all connection and all association with heaven. We will not have this man to reign over us. But there's something else we don't want to miss. Because we, like Barabbas, have committed murder in our insurrection against the authority of heaven. Look over at Acts chapter 7 for just a minute. Acts chapter 7. Notice what Stephen... Acts chapter 7 is Stephen's sermon to the leadership of the nation of Israel. And notice what he says in verse 52. Let's read it verse 51. Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost, as your fathers did, so do ye. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before the coming of the just one, of whom ye have been now the betrayers and murderers. Now again, don't confine, don't listen to your heart. Don't listen to this wicked heart that wants to confine Stephen's words to these people on this day. If they only apply to them, then why the Spirit of God record them here in the book? Stephen spoke these words to them. Then if they only applied to them, then, then, then that would have been an end to it. These people heard it. There would have been no need to have these words in our Bible except for uh, whatever historical value they have. But these words are here. And they are written to us and for us. Because whatsoever things were written aforetime, this was written aforetime, whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. They are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Because we're just like these people. And notice what Stephen says of them at the end of verse 52. Concerning the just one, the Lord Jesus Christ, of whom ye have been now the betrayers and murderers. Let's go back to Mark chapter 15. We're Barabbas. We have made insurrection against the God of heaven. Just as Barabbas led an insurrection against the authority of the Roman government, you and I have, have led, we are part of an insurrection against the authority of the God of heaven. And we've committed murder in our insurrection. We murdered the just one, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the cross reveals our heart because given a choice between Barabbas and Jesus, when given a choice between ourselves and Jesus, who do we choose? Who do we choose? John tells us. John chapter 18, 
in verse 40, Then cried they, remember who they is, it's us. Then cried they all again saying, Not this man, not this man, not Jesus, but Barabbas. This is what the cross exposes. It exposes all that we are. It exposes all of our heart that's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Something else that we don't want to miss is the people who were the leaders of the mob here. It's the chief priests. They're the ones stirring up the people. It's the most religious people of the day. And they hid their insurrection. They hid their sedition. They hid their rebellion and murder under the guise of religion. Imagine that. Oh, we would never do anything like that, would we? We would. Because the heart of man hasn't changed. Our heart is described in a number of places in the Bible. One of them is Romans chapter 1. The desperate wickedness of our heart is manifested in unrighteousness, in fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. That's our heart. That's who we are. But in the deceit of our heart, we think that we can cover these things. And how do we go about covering it? The same way that the chief priests did. Religion. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 5. Having a form of godliness. That's religion. Denying the power thereof. The power of the gospel. That's religion. That's the deceit of our heart. Thinking that we can cover the wickedness of our heart with the robe of Christian profession and Christian religion. That's what the cross exposes. And it's the reason that the message is despised in the majority of the churches of this nation, in the majority of the churches in this county and in this town. But all this brings us back to the glory of the cross. Because the same cross that exposes the depths of the depravity of our heart, the same cross brings to light the depth of the love of God. The love of God for the insurrectionists, for the rebels. The cross brings into full view the depth of the love of God for sinners, for those who crucified the Lord of glory. This is what we see as we gaze at the center cross. As we look at the center cross in the central place reserved for the most dangerous and wicked criminal. What we see is that the most 
dangerous and wicked criminals are not there. They're not there. The unrighteous, the fornicators, the wicked, the, the, the uh, murderers, the proud, the boasters, the inventors of evil things, those who are disobedient to parents, the covenant breakers, those who are worthy of death are not there. The haters of God are not there. The one who is there in the place of the haters of God is the lover of sinners. God manifest in the flesh. The Lord Jesus Christ. And that brings us to the division of the cross. The division of the cross. Look again at Mark chapter 15 and verse 27. And with Him they crucify two thieves. The one on His right hand and the other on His left. You see, this middle cross divides. The cross of Christ divided these two men as it divides all of humanity. As it divides every person in this room today. It divides us into one of two groups. Either believers or unbelievers. Saved or lost. Turn over to Mark chapter 23. Mark, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 23. You'll have a hard time turning to Mark chapter 23. You'll spend the rest of the day finding it. I guess Mark chapter 23 is right next to Hezekiah. The book of Hezekiah somewhere. So anyway, sorry. Luke chapter 23. And look at verse 39. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. And it's not just this one fellow. Matthew and Mark tell us that it was both who had this attitude of heart. Matthew chapter 27, Likewise also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders said, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now. If he will have him, for he said, I am the son of God. The thieves... Plural, both of them. The thieves also which were crucified with Him cast the same in His teeth. Mark 15 and verse 32. The chief priests and the scribes said, Let Christ the King of Israel descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. And they that were crucified with Him reviled Him. What these verses tell us is that there is no difference between these two men. They were both thieves. They were both sinners. Romans chapter 3, For there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. One was not more or less of a sinner than the other. Men don't like this message. Men don't like the level ground of the cross. And that's what exactly what we see here. These two men are equally sinful. Men like distinctions. 
Men like relative righteousness. Men like to measure ourselves by the people around us. We like to compare ourselves among ourselves so that we can arrive at some kind of relative righteousness. I may not be perfect. How many times have we heard those words? But more importantly, how many times have we said them? And the words that invariably follow, I may not be perfect, but I'm not like that publican, or I'm not like that Samaritan, or I'm not like that harlot, or I'm not like that adulterer, but we are. We are. This is the equality of the cross. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And you can accept the love and mercy and grace that is the equality of the cross. Whosoever, whosoever, that's equality, isn't it? Whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You can accept the equality of the cross right now. Or one day, you will accept the equality of the judgment of God. Whosoever, that's equality, isn't it? Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The division of the cross is here in Luke chapter 23. The division of the cross, uh, not only the equality of the cross, but the division of the cross is here between verse 39 and 40. One of these men rejected the message of the cross. He wanted his life saved. Thou be the Christ. Save thyself and us. He somehow thought that his life was equally valued as the life of God Himself. Save me. Save you. Save yourself and save me. My life's worthy to be lived. The other believed the message of the cross. Look at verse 30, uh, verse 40. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God? Seeing thou art in the same condemnation. And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Those words in verse 42 are a sinner's prayer. A sinner's prayer. We hear a lot in evangelism about the sinner's prayer. This set of prescribed words that is to be repeated in order to be saved. You don't find that in the Bible. What you find here are prayers by sinners. Prayers, and they're not all the same. In fact, I would say no two of them are alike. What you find
find are prayers that come from the heart of sinners. Like the sinner's prayer of Peter, Depart from me, O Lord, for I am a sinful man. Or the sinner's prayer of the publican, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Or the sinner's prayer of this man who brought his child to Jesus and said, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Or the sinner's prayer of Saul of Tarsus, Lord, what will thou have me to do? Or the sinner's prayer of this thief. Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. God is not looking for a prescribed set of words. He's looking for a broken and a contrite heart. Like this thief in verse 40 and 41. That is the heart behind the words in verse 42. He's a man who acknowledges his sin and his worthiness of death. And he cries out to the Lord to save him. And the Lord did. Look at verse 43. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. The cross divides people. It equally divides them. There is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It divides people between those who see themselves as worthy to live, between those who believe that their life is worth living, between those... Think about this. Here's this thief in verse 39. In the face of death, in the face of death, this is how strong our will is, folks. This is how deep our rebellion is. In the face of death, he refused to see himself as a sinner who needed a Savior. And there was the Savior. Think about those in the face of death. People think, well, I'm going to wait on my deathbed to get saved. Don't you wait that long. Don't you wait that long. You've got no guarantee that the Spirit of God will deal with you on your deathbed. You have no, no, no guarantee that you'll even have the mind on your deathbed. But think about those who are in the face of death won't humble themselves and turn from their sin to the Savior. Like this thief. The question this morning is very simple. Which side of the middle cross are you on today? Are you on the life side or the death side? You're on one or the other. You can be on the life side this morning if you're willing to do exactly what this thief did. Take your place as a sinner worthy of death call upon the Lord for there is no difference for the same Lord overall is rich unto all that call upon Him for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved let's look to the Lord in prayer
Father, we thank You for the message of the cross. The cross that exposes our hearts. The depths of the wickedness of our rebellion. That exposes us as the murderers of the Son of God in our insurrection, in our rebellion, in our attempt to sever all of the ties and and connections and association with the God of heaven. We thank You that the cross exposes that. And then it exposes in all of its glory the love of God for sinners. The love of God for those who hate Him. We thank You for the equality of the cross. Whosoever, whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that message comes to whosoever because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And Father, we pray this morning that each person in this room would examine themselves to see which side of the divide they're on. If they're on the life side or the death side. We thank You that being on the life side is as simple as coming to the Lord Jesus Christ and crying out to Him to be saved. We thank You for these things and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.